This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. On this week's episode, I interviewed Luke Mikich. Luke and I met on Twitter Spaces uh, over the summer, and we've been going back and forth, and he's got a good following and, and a lot of knowledge. So I wanted to have him on the show. Um, and in the show, we talk about, you know, are we on the eve of a, a, a hyperinflation scenario? Um, you know, what does he thinks the world, you know, is going to be vastly different in 2025 um, and we might see fiat collapses and um, and all that kind of stuff. So we get into all that. And then also um, a little surprise thing, something Luke and I had been talking about for a while, um, but we're going to um, be adding Luke to the Bitcoin Made Simple, basically podcast network. And he'll be, um, you know, a partner with me in this. And so he had started doing his own podcast, but he was putting on YouTube uh, only. And and um, we thought of it, we had talked even before then about doing something together. So he's going to bring his show actually to this channel. So when you guys um, go into the, you know, the channel and, and look at the uh, episodes, you'll still see my interviews, which will, um, they'll all vary. I mean, we kind of bring different energies, um, but there's a lot of synergy between us. Um, so you'll still see my interviews. They'll be titled BMS, you know, number, whatever, like this one is BMS 037. Um, and it'll keep going up from there. But, um, uh, Luke's will be, uh, fix the money, fix the world. So it'd probably be something like FTM, you know, zero one, zero one, zero zero two, all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, that way you can differentiate, but you can get both of us in one place. And then also um, we're going to do a weekly recap episode together. Uh, just, you know, like the that, like the past week in Bitcoin, all kinds of current event topics where we can just kind of um, BS and, and uh, go over everything for an hour. So I'm really hoping that you guys will like that. Um, you know, Luke is a, is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he's, you know, very entertaining to listen to. So I think he's going to be a great addition. And um, in this, this first interview here i think you guys will you'll you'll uh, really like him and uh and it'll be great to continue this going forward um and hopefully it gives you guys more content because i know everybody is looking for more and more podcasts and more and more stuff to listen to and and uh you know i i don't bring the knowledge but i bring other people on that bring the knowledge so hopefully it's helping you guys learn more about bitcoin as i learn about it um today the show sponsor is coinbeast connect do you have questions about bitcoin personalize your learning and book a one-on-one video call with a Bitcoin pro on CoinBeast connect learn about mining security the lightning network DeFi, taxes and many other topics it's really easy choose your topic and pro select a date when you're available and bring your questions to the meeting room book your first call today by going to coinbeast.com and clicking on the connect tab be prepared for the financial revolution and get the knowledge you need it's also brought to you by Movies Plus. Movies Plus, you've heard me talk about my movie platform. Uh, the streaming platform's live. It's available in all the app stores. So if you go in and search for Movies Plus, you'll find it. Um, and then uh, also, if you want to do a free trial, um, go to the website, uh, mymoviesplus.com. You'll be able to sign up for a free trial for a month um, and give it a try. Let me know um, what you guys think. We have hundreds of titles up there, um, soon to be thousands. Um, we're adding more and more by the day. Um, we're working on a lot of Bitcoin content. So uh, I think you guys will like that as well. But we also have a lot of just uh, general content that um, you can't find other places. Uh, we have banned content, you know, stuff that other platforms are 
not uh, are too afraid to put on. So I hope you guys uh, check all that out. And um, if you want to get in contact with the show, it's at Bitcoin Simply. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at two or at Corey underscore two I switched it up, so it's at C O R Y underscore T U C E K. If you want to email the show, it's Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Um, so the movie lighting, is it freaking you out a little bit? Like, like I, I didn't even do this on purpose, but it is since you're in Australia and I'm in Pittsburgh, um, it is the middle of the night for me basically. And, uh, so yeah, I, I got out, I was like, Ooh, I could do it on the back porch. It's still nice out. And as soon as I pulled the zoom up, I was like, it was pitch black. And I was like, (laughs) Oh shit, that was dumb. So then I put my flashlight on and uh, and now I have this like movie lighting, which is perfect for October. Like I love it. Know, Halloween. Halloween. Uh, Halloween's on October and you can get the torch light up, mate. You can tell us some creepy stories. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> It'd be really good. Dude, tor- the, the word torch that you guys and the, the English use for flashlight, like throws me off so much i'll never the first time i went to england me and my wife stayed in this like nice countryside bed and breakfast right near where the downton abbey castle is and um and the old lady that owned the bed and breakfast you know like she was like you know so helpful and like she was just a jolly good lady you know all that (laughs) kind of stuff and she um so she uh (laughs) she's telling us like oh like we were going down to this place called the ye old pub and um uh or no the yew tree in that's what that was that night um and uh and she goes oh like uh she's like it might be a little dark when you get back so let me get a torch for you and she like walks away and i looked at my wife i was like a torch like like, are you kidding me (laughs) like this lady's getting a torch for us she's gonna set it on fire baby i know like i mean i see (laughs) and like the whole time my wife she knew she loves england and london and so she knew and she was just sitting there looking at me like yeah it's a flashlight like what in like but like she didn't say that so the lady comes back i mean this whole time i'm waiting for this lady to come back with an actual torch that like i'm gonna light and like be walking back from the pub like with this with this big torch as if like i because i went to europe all of a sudden you're in this like the dark ages and like you have torches (laughs) the medieval dark ages the medieval dark ages of central banking that's what i call the 19th century neo-feudalism yeah that's really where it started isn't it it's a nice comparison i I like uh dennis has coined it dennis porter's coined uh after the bitcoin era the modern day renaissance uh so kind of the neo-feudalism age was your kind of dark ages and then obviously you had the invention of the uh printing press uh separated church and state and now it gave you the renaissance and now we've been living in the the modern day dark ages with central banking for the past couple of hundred years and now we're going to use another tool in Bitcoin, which is akin to the uh, printing press, and we're going to separate money from state. Modern day Renaissance. Um, I, I loved when Dennis made that comparison. It really makes you think. Really That's makes a great you think. comparison. Um, yeah. So you're, um, what's your? Well, let's we'll get into that. But um, but 
first of all, what's your background? Um, and you know, for the audience that doesn't know Luke Mikich, um, from Australia, from Australia, mate, uh, (laughs) down under mate. (laughs) Yeah. If you, uh, if you haven't been frequenting Twitter spaces, maybe you don't know him, uh, but he's pretty uh, well known in those spots. Um, and he drops some, some knowledge bombs, on us uh, left and right. So, so give us a background. Uh, you know, how did you get into Bitcoin and what's your background? Uh, you know, what do you, what do, how'd you get into this position? Yeah. So I'm just another Aussie Bogan. Um, and I was, I think I was studying at university 2016, 2017, never heard about Bitcoin. Uh, wasn't really that interested in macroeconomics or finance or anything, anything like that. And then I think I've heard about Bitcoin it must have been at the very peak of 2017. And I can't remember where it was. I think I think maybe it was on the radio in the car. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. And I looked into it a little bit, uh, just a little bit late 2018. And I kind of came to the realization. I was like, wow, this, this has the potential to be big. Um, and at this stage, I was still, quote unquote, crypto curious. I was still in the shit coins for about a year or so there in 2018, 2019. We all were, we all were. Oh, mate, it's, uh, I, I wish I'd come from a different kind of background because I'm non-technical. Um, so, yeah, 2018 come along. Um, while I was at university, I was working two jobs and I was trying to save up a deposit for a house. And then 2018 came along. I found it out about Bitcoin as well. And I was like, oh, I might leave university. I might go and look into Bitcoin. And at the same time, uh, I started a business. I got like a little small personal training business. Um, and then at the same time, I was also trying to buy my own home so I wouldn't have to pay rent anymore because at the time yeah. I just thought rent was bullshit. Um, so I thought, why not buy a home? Um, because at that stage, I noticed that house prices just went up and up and up and up into perpetuity. And mm-hmm. I, I found saving the deposit for the house uh, very, very hard. And I was like, why is this? Why is this? But um, yeah, yeah, that's my background. That's a long story short. Um, and then oh, I no, think like podcast, we're here for the long story. <laughs> no, no, that's pretty much it. it. That's so you, that's pretty. So you were said you were intrigued then by like the housing prices and seeing them go up and up and up, and you're like, oh, this is a great way to store my my wealth. Is that what kind of, I guess, got you into investing in Bitcoin? Yes, I was just a little bogan. Um, I was a little high time preference. Bogan. What does a bogan mean, by the way? An Aussie bogan. Just- uh, maybe a little bit like a hillbilly, I suppose, a little <laughs> okay. bit really laid back. Um, just doesn't really care about much, I suppose. Uh, just, he's just a young Aussie guy. Um, but Living yeah, I mean, life. yeah, that's it. Little Aussie bogan, but I mean, yeah, so I wanted to get rich. Uh, that was like the quote unquote, get rich kind of thing. I didn't want to work. I was unemployable even back then when I was 19 or 20. I was like, God, I hate working. I want (laughs) to either own my own business. So that was the personal training business kind of direction, or I want to own a home and rent out the room. So I had that kind of thinking when I was 19. Um, And then, yeah, so I left university to kind of go down that rabbit hole. And then late 2019, I didn't get Bitcoin at this stage, late 2019, the repo market started blowing up, the yield curve inverted. And I was like, oh boy, the next recession is going to be a big one. So I was just trying to learn as much as I could. Like at that stage, I was listening to Max Kaiser, Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, but I was stuck in that kind of crypto shitcoin kind of crypto um, videos there on YouTube. So I didn't fully get Bitcoin until maybe uh, early 2020 when I found Bitcoin Twitter. Um, and that's when I really, really went like really deep down the rabbit hole. I started listening to podcasts, 
from Princey, from memory, uh, the Swan Signal guys. I think I started on Brady Swenson's podcast, Citizen Bitcoin, from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found uh, Spetsky and then Breedlove. And, you know, when you get to Bitcoin Twitter, you you it's pretty hard not to be orange-filled. Um, oh, it's a, it's a whole other animal once you're there. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it was easier as a lurker once I started participating and I was like, it makes it even crazier. So, so early 2020, um, it's a perfect time. That's basically, I guess your first buy-in and, or, I mean, is that when you first bought in? Like that was the first time you were like, or were you still, were you buying shit coins and Bitcoin earlier than that? Yeah. So 2018, um, I was trying to learn as much as I could about investing and all of that kind of stuff. And I, I got all the propaganda. So the, you've got to be quote unquote diversified. Um, so I was buying Bitcoin around three or four K that bottom in 2018 when I first heard about it, but I was quote unquote diversified. So I had a little bit of like, um, gold and precious metals. Cause I heard about mm-hmm. the fiat Ponzi. Um, I wanted to have like a little portion for a deposit for a home. Uh, I had a basket of stocks. So I was looking into all of these biomed stocks, uh, tech stocks, robotics, automation, all of those, you know, high and flying stocks that would do well over the next five or 10 years. Um, And then, yeah, it wasn't until 2020 until I was properly orange pilled. I was like, oh, hang on a minute. It it literally is Bitcoin and it's nothing else. Bitcoin's Mm going to outperform absolutely everything. And not only that, but I don't own my own home really in theory. Like, oh, yeah, they could very, very easily confiscate your own home. Um, they could very easily confiscate any of your shares that's sitting on a stock trading platform. They could very easily confiscate any cash in a bank. So I was like, oh, wow, it's Bitcoin, not just because it's economically superior and it's going to do a 2000x from here if it becomes the next global reserve currency, but it's also an asset that you can actually hold in a sovereign way that we've never seen before as humans. We've never had the ability to hold Bitcoin in like a multi-signature setup where you can geographically distribute your keys in a way that nobody can confiscate your Bitcoin. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I had that kind of realization early 2020, Um, but I was, so I moved from Tasmania 2019 uh, before I was properly orange pilled. And obviously all my friends and family were down in Tasmania. I'm on the Gold Coast now. I was trying How to tell them How far away is about, that, by the way? Because I, uh, I know nothing about Australia geography. Yeah, yeah. It's across the water and it's probably like a 18 or probably five or six hour uh, plane ride. Um, so okay. I, I haven't, haven't really seen all of my close friends and family um, since I've been orange pilled. So you're trying to orange peel people on the phone. You're sitting there rambling for hours. They think you're crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I thought, oh, how can I do this? So I started a little YouTube channel like late 2020. I was, I think the price was about seven or eight or $9,000. I was like, hey, look, four-year halving cycle. We're about to have a big bull run here. Buy some goddamn Bitcoin, buy some Bitcoin. So I started a little YouTube channel and I realized that I, I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. Because when you go and try to explain things on a video, uh, you're like, oh shit, I don't understand any of this. Uh-huh. So then, yeah. It's a bad it time like, to realize you're like, wait a minute. I don't I've know what do I'm more. talking about. <laughs> yeah, That's why I don't do sit more. here and talk to people about what they should do. I, I ask other people, <laughs> hey, what's, uh, what do you know? <laughs> so I can learn. Don't be so humble. I mean, you you absolutely kill it in those spaces. But that's that's part of the reason why I do my podcast as well, dude. We, we get the opportunity to talk to the smartest people in the space and learn a bunch because I think, yeah, since 2019, 
you, you know what it's like when you just kind of discover what Bitcoin is. You, you can't, I couldn't sleep for a couple of weeks there just trying to learn as much as you can about Bitcoin. And, you know, since 2019, it's, you know, 12, 16 hours a day of podcasts, reading, interacting with Bitcoiners on Twitter, trying to learn as much as you can. So that's, that's the long story of my background, I suppose. Well, that's wild. That's wild. So now um, to get into the, like, so amongst, all the studying that you did, some of that digs into like the deep history of I'm sure economics and everything. So like, where do you see the Bitcoin started? Or, or not Bitcoin. Where do you see that we started to deviate in the problem? And don't be afraid to go as far back because I'm I'm working on tracing it back, and it keeps going further and further and further. Yeah. So so what what do you see from you know any kind of digging you've sorry uh, you've done yeah that's okay uh, so i think we've used i think mankind's kind of used physical forms of money for i think i saw records the other day that seashells were used like seventy five thousand years ago from different ancient tribes but money in general i think gold was kind of the first actual kind of form of money what five six thousand years ago roughly mm-hmm. um and before then it was just kind of barter um, obviously the agricultural revolution 10,000 years ago kind of facilitated the need for money because that was the first time in human history that we human beings actually accumulated capital in the form of whether that be rice or grains or wheat. Um, so, um, and as you start growing a civilization, money's just a tool that makes trade a lot easier and more efficient and you can grow the economy and the civilization more. So uh, since about five or 6,000 years ago, gold's mainly been money, um, to put it really simply, gold outcompeted all other forms of money like seashells, copper, silver, uh, rye stones. There's been all sorts of things used as money. Um, and then when did it start to go really wry? I suppose that would be central banking started trying to come in in around the 16th and the 17th century in uh, Britain. Um, and then obviously I think 1913 with the creation of the US Fed a uh, little hat tip to the book, uh, The Creature from Jekyll Island. I think everybody listening to the podcast should go and read that one. That is uh, really illuminating, gives you the background of uh, central bankers and the people involved and the families involved with central banking. I think that's a really interesting read um, and there's an abridged version because it's a very long book. I think I read the summary, the 100-page abridged book, but it's good. Uh, The US Fed came in 1913, and then obviously that was kind of the end of the gold standard for the rest of the world. Um, I think since 1800, we've had over 700 um, paper currencies that aren't backed by gold that have collapsed through currency collapses. Um, So So the US dollar collapsing is not going to be a unique event. (laughs) Oh, no. No, no, no. This is just human history repeating itself. Um, Since 1800... There's a really good report by Hirschman Capital. Uh, Since 1800, um, out of the sovereign nations, 51 out of 52 countries that have had a debt-to-GDP ratio greater than 130% have defaulted. So 51 out of 52 of those countries. And right now, the US has national debt bigger than 130%. And most of the other G7 or G20 countries around the world have even bigger debt levels. So um, I I think globally, every single country around the world is going to collapse. Uh, This is the largest monetary experiment in human history. Like we have, what, 180 fiat currencies around the world. 
connected in this kind of globally connected uh, banking system where once a few of the dominoes start to fall, they're all going to fall. And obviously, where did it go wrong? Um, well, 1913, we kind of slowly started to de-peak from gold uh, to pay for World War One, And then obviously, uh, you had the 1933 FDR with the gold confiscation and then uh, gold got revalued a couple of years later. That was another kind of event that devalued the dollar and currencies in general and took it a little bit further away from a gold peg. Um, and then obviously World War II came along um, and you had the Bretton Woods Agreement after uh, World War II, 1944 from memory. Um, and then so that, that took, that made every currency around the world pegged to the US dollar, which was supposedly pegged to gold or as good as gold. Um, and then obviously you had the Vietnam War in the 60s. Um, the French and the British uh, started to speculate that maybe the US was printing more paper receipts for the gold than they actually held in gold reserves. So then obviously 1971 come along um, and the US closed the gold window on the world because they simply didn't have the gold in the Fort Knox that the French wanted. Like, didn't the French send battleships to, to, to New York? York uh, to, yeah, New York saying, we want to fill this. Yeah, it's and, wild. And, and it's amazing that that's not in any history book in school. I mean, it's well, yeah. when you understand how the education systems run, it's not amazing. It's completely you understand why. But like that should be a huge subject to like sit there and be like, hey, uh, so like, you know, like 40 years ago, uh, the French sent battleships to our shores to get their gold back and we didn't give it to them. Like, what's that all about? Like, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like it's the. It's absolutely wild. And when I found out that in probably 2019 or maybe 2018, I came to that realization. I was like, why don't they teach us about this in school? This is really strange. And I think that's why we're both doing what we're doing with podcasts, because we're just trying to educate people about the really unique and I don't want to swear, but effed up position that we are in. Uh, comparatively in human history. Like this is the largest monetary experiment. And in 1971, when the US implicitly defaulted on the rest of the world by closing the gold window, it started a 50-year fiat fiasco, as I call it. I, I mean, the average lifespan of a fiat currency um, is 29 years or something from memory. So out of those 700 currencies that have collapsed in history, the average lifespan is like 29 years. And since 1971, it's the 50th anniversary here in 2021 that the entire globe, the Australian dollar, the European, the Euro, the Chinese Yuan, we've all been unbacked by gold. And that's uh, that's a monetary experiment that's never been tried before. Every currency around the world unbacked by gold. So that's, that's the that's monetary history. And that's something that's going to explode in our face in yeah. grandiose fashion. I mean, it, it's getting weird right now. Um, Cause so, I mean, this is usually there's a couple day lead between, but I'm actually going to release this like tomorrow morning. And um, so this a little bit of current events mixed in, but like the whole Facebook being down. Um, and then like, I keep seeing all these things where, you know, people are talking about all the ships being held off of ports in uh, in the United States and it's holding up the supply chain and everything like that. Um, and I, you know, I mean, we have a deep freezer. I have my paranoia stock of stuff then, you know, like, and where you go. And 
and my wife told me tonight she said oh my my mom called and um and said they were at you know uh, sam's club which is like you know one of the big like uh it's owned by walmart but um it's like the one like the volume high volume store you know where you can get like things in bulk and um like kind of like costco for those on the west coast um and uh and she was like they had like no toilet paper no um paper towels and she went back to get to buy a like a chicken pot pie or something and they didn't have them in the guy at the bakery said oh it's like we don't have any shells and he's like and this is like on the corporate level they're like panicking they can't get stuff and so you know my wife was like uh i'm gonna get a bunch of like if she was like if you see a massive grocery bill like you know <laughs> don't freak out and i was like I mean, you know i i just assume you found some kind of deal because she she does all the shopping so i just sit there and go like uh-huh yeah, it works um and uh but yeah i mean i, I told her i said i was just about to tell her that we need to ramp up the supplies you know so it's like like something's going on like something weird is happening what do you think is going on yeah i i get i get called a little bit radical in these bitcoin twitter spaces because (laughs) i i really do think i i think the entire thing's going to collapse in the next three years i think it's all over before 2025 um i don't want to get the fiat system I think fiat collapses before 2025. Um, I'm on record there. I've said it. Um, I, I think, I I really do think it's the end game. This this is it. The everything we're watching right now is all the early signs of a hyperinflationary event. We, for the first time in 50 years, we're now seeing measurable inflation in the United States. Uh, CPIs. Up, it's been up above five to six to seven percent inflation for the past six months. Uh, we haven't seen inflation. Not even the right number. That's that's, that's, that's correct. The fabricated number. Yeah, that's the that's the that's the that's the CPI number that's been heavily fabricated to justify them being able to expand the balance sheet by five hundred percent over the past twenty years. Um, I think M two's grown from something like twenty trillion to like ninety trillion since the year two thousand. That's the amount one. of dollars in circulation right yeah global m2 i think they've expanded that by five or six hundred percent um in the past 20-ish years um i i really do think um i i don't think the inflation's transitory i think it's the beginnings of literally yes hyperinflation um i think um like the fed is still having to print 120 billion dollars worth of qe every single month since the uh, repo market blew up in late 2019. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, the yield curve inverted and the repo market blew up in late 2019, well before anyone mentioned the words coronavirus or lockdown. I always like to reinforce that yeah. point. Well, it, it, expand on that a little bit because I actually, I mean, I, I mean, you know me enough to know that I'm not an invest, like I'm not a financial guy. Um, I'm I'm a filmmaker just trying to make it in this world <laughs> and uh and I got wrapped up into bitcoin and um and here we are and so 
you know, the reverse repo market. I mean, what exactly is that for, for smooth brained people like me that don't understand, <laughs> uh, understand what it is. Hey, Cause I, this I'm is very... Bitcoin made simple after all. So <laughs> yeah, I'm very smooth brained myself, brother. Um, <laughs> this is all very foreign to me until the last couple of years, but this is something Bitcoin does. Um, so there's a, essentially there's an overnight lending market between banks. Um, they lend on like a 24 hour kind of period. So what the largest uh, money market funds, they lend to the largest banks around the world. So think of like your JP Morgan, your Goldman Sachs, your Citibanks. Um, and they obviously lend with other banks around the world in an overnight market. Um, and the repo market in 2019, um, it kind of, uh, the interest rates spiked. So they spiked from 1% to 2% to above 10%, meaning that nobody would lend to each other. It was essentially a credit freeze. Um, some of the actors in that market, um, they must have had the feeling that, hang on a minute, something's off. I don't want to lend market to this perceived risky actor over here. Or I think something really bad's about to happen with the stock market. I want capital. Um, so the Fed was having to print, um, I think it was five or $600 billion um, between September and February. Again, this is well before the stock market crashed um, and Jerome Powell was very adamant. This is not QE. There's nothing wrong with the financial markets here. Look away. This is not QE. Like I have lots of articles, uh, not articles, but um, what well, I do, I, I talk about this in one of my articles. Um, like There's screenshots and there's videos, drone power saying there's nothing wrong with the financial system. This is simply quarterly rebalancing. Look away, look away, look away. And then obviously, uh, obviously the, uh, lot, the propaganda videos came out of China with people dropping dead in the streets, which we now know is directly propaganda. Um, people don't faint like that or fall over from a virus. Um, I won't say too much yeah. and get this this one deleted, but yeah. No, 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 I mean, I mean no, I, I, I'm on record. I've said to people, I'm like, all right, there's two things that are happening. Um, people are not dropping dead in the streets from COVID and people are also not dropping dead in the streets from the vaccine so um doesn't mean there's not anecdotal stories each way um yep. but uh you know it's it's uh nobody wants to talk about nobody wants to have a nuanced conversation you know what i mean like that's that's what i can't stand you know and and yeah it's it's um yeah it's a it's a crazy world i mean they you know well, a, a friend of mine who's like so anon, like like anonymous that he like doesn't even have a phone anymore, and um, <laughs> and he his his offsec is like through the roof, and um, and uh, yeah, like I, the only way I can communicate through him, like it's like through like basically feels like carrier pigeon the way we have to communicate, um. And uh, yeah, it's but he's he's the smartest. He's one of the smartest people I know. And um, uh, and he called it. He called this whole thing. I mean, to the you know, he was telling me about COVID in like January of 2020, and like just laying everything out. And I was like, okay, oh shit, like this sounds really bad. Um, and he basically said something along the lines of like, this either this virus is either gonna decimate the world like physically and actually kill you know, a bunch of people and all that. Um, or uh, it's going to become a, a machine that's used by the state. And, um, and uh, I mean, he called like, when I say he called everything, I mean, I have the receipts. I won't share the text message because like, obviously he, he prefers his privacy, but like 
it was when they announced the stay-at-home orders and i'm laying there like putting my kid to sleep trying to like pretend like oh yeah everything's fine normal life just go to bed you know let's read berenstein bears blah 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 um and uh and and like after my kid falls asleep i'm like texting him like all right what happens next like you nailed everything to this point and he he called he called the riots in the streets um he called he called what was going to go down with the politics with the election with the vaccine with the 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 speed of the vaccine, the demonization of the vaccine coming from Trump, the demonization of people that don't want to take the vaccine now that it's from Biden. I mean, and I'm here to tell you this. My friend hates Trump, like hates him, hates him. Yeah. But he he also is allergic to fascism. And, you know, he he's he's one of those people that call what it is. It is what it is, you know. Um, so not to get too far away from like Bitcoin, but like, you know, to me like i don't know you're just you're living under such fascist this is kind of getting like outside of if you're if you're willing to go there and we could talk about like but I, I look at like everybody how we've been living life for the last 30 40 50 years or whatever and it's like they've made like the perfect prison for us you know where like everyone else has everyone's goal is to like get a job that pays you enough money to make it to the next paycheck and you get to live in a place um you know they won't call it a prison cell but you call it a house and you you think you own it um mind you if you don't pay your property taxes you'll find out who really owns it um and so you know you you wake up you go to work you put in your eight nine hours whatever and you come home and and you you think that you're creating something you think that you're um trying to think of how to word this because i'm not demeaning what people do because people that's what kills me about this people work hard people put a lot of hard work into their lives and it gets robbed right out from underneath them and i've used this example on the podcast before but my uncle passed away six months after he retired or nine months after he retired and it's like that that's the type of stuff that makes you think like oh shit you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're, you work your whole life with the hopes of like hitting your sixties and being able to quote unquote retire and live off of the, the money that the government saved for you. Um, and, and that's how you're supposed to live your life. So you like, you're supposed to waste all your good years, just slaving away with the, the carrot that, Hey, I might be able to relax one day. And they put you on that, that hamster wheel. And, and here you are, you know, you, you get to the end, you're exhausted. People's bodies are ruined. Their, their minds are ruined. Um, and they're, they're just happy to get there. And if they're lucky, they're, they're lucky to get there. And they're like, oh, I'm so glad I made it to retirement. And then they get to just like wither away on the government, quote unquote, government dollar. That is really the dollar that was um, stolen from them and held on to um, over a year. So, you know, we talk about these, you know, perfect prisons that the great reset, like people have talked about that, that they want to put you in, but it's like, it kind of in a way has almost existed. Don't you think? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned lots of really good points there. Firstly, sorry for your loss. That's really sad, but that's the, that's the, that's the fiat uh, propaganda that they push to people. They say, yep, yep, go and get a mortgage on your home, go and get a mortgage on your car, go and get a mortgage on your credit cards. Yeah. Don't worry about the 25% interest rates on your credit cards. It's all good. Just get into debt 
um, up to your eyeballs. And it's all good. It's all good because you've got your little hamster wheel job. You go and work your little hamster wheel job and don't worry the don't worry about the fact that prices just go up and up and up into perpetuity. Inflation's normal. Inflation's a sign of a healthy economy. Um, I think you mentioned there um it's it's slavery they're stealing from you that's exactly yeah. what's happening it's uh it's central banking time theft inflation is theft uh printing money out of thin air and uh using qe and uh lowering interest rates to artificially low levels to prop up a massive housing bubble and a stock market bubble um it, it's theft. it's it's directly theft that's what it is it's putting the average price of a home out of reach for the average uh, everyday person. So they're stuck renting. And when they do finally get onto the mortgage um, kind of property ladder, they're, they're paying ridiculous rates, ridiculous prices for houses. Um, most people are, most people can't afford the privilege to even buy their own home these days. Um, it's, it's, I think the wealth inequality levels at the moment are some of the most extreme they have been in the past 150 years. Um, when you get to the conclusion of a long-term debt cycle, wealth inequality is at these really extreme levels and um, the system's unsustainable. Um, but I suppose that's where Bitcoin comes in because the old system's unsustainable. It's irreversibly broken. It's um, it's disgusting that central banks have the ability to manipulate money to inflate their own stock and house portfolio because they naturally understand how the system works. They have 90% of their wealth in stocks and houses. But when you look at the um, what um, what the everyday person stores their wealth in, um, they, they can't afford the privilege to own their own home. What is it? Like 40% of Americans don't own stocks. Yeah. Um, 70% of Americans don't have more than $1,000 um, to get for a rainy day it's and the money they do get just gets instantly debased um, it's all a consequence of the fiat system and it's all a consequence of living in the largest monetary experiment in human history um, mm-hmm. you raised lots of good points there i'm going off on all sorts of tangents but no no um, i'm right there with you i mean you know because you like I, i'll still i'll never forget um so there was this movie that i was working on um and where we were the location we were in you know it was kind of like more of like a tough neighborhood um i mean pittsburgh uh is a steel town like we were the steel capital of the world andrew carnegie was here um mellon was here uh and it was uh like i mean i I forget the percentage exactly but i mean of that like a super majority of the steel was at one point all coming from pittsburgh um and uh and so well, i forget where i was going with that um sorry. the uh but uh, i get on a pittsburgh rant and i just start talking about pittsburgh and i get all excited um i love it i didn't know but, that um i've been meaning to read that rockefeller book but i just haven't got around to it yeah um, rockefeller was, was like he was maybe up near like ohio i think um yeah. it's interesting but yeah they um shit i can't remember oh so yeah so i'm this there's certain parts of the city that are still in this like um you know there's still mill workers you know what i mean like i mean it's very very few but there's some and so we're working on this movie in this town you know it's like row houses that were built by carnegie for all his employees to live in you know how convenient you live in this nice mm-hmm. little house you know within a walking distance of the mill that you get to work in 
you know, and it's like they position it to you as a benefit to you. Like, look how great this is that you get to hear, like you have this small little area that you can call your own and then you can walk out of it and go down here and, and work in this factory. Isn't that great that you have, you have this freedom, you know? And it's like, and I just remember sitting there like every morning. So like on a movie set, you know, if you're, if you're doing shooting daylight hours, I mean, you get to set at like, you know, uh, hours before dawn. And um, so it was like every day, this one guy, I'll never forget in the one row house, his car, you know, it's winter time. And it was at, on the clock at like five o'clock in the morning. He came out, started his car so that it would get warm, went back inside for like 15 minutes and then came back out, got in his car and like went to work. And like me being this like low level crew worker on this movie, I remember just standing there because like in those early hours when you're a production assistant, like I was at the time. You're just sitting there, like literally doing nothing, like wasting your time. And so you have so much time to think. And I remember sitting there looking at that car and just it was like kind of like a metaphor where it was just like running and running and running. And I was like, this car is running and it's all it's doing is sitting still and emptying its gas tank. And that kind of is a metaphor for what this guy is doing. You know, I know where we were going before. We both got lost there. It's yeah, the no, fiat no. system. It's the forced high time preference. Everyone's on this hamster wheel. Their money's been perpetually debased to prop up these massive asset bubbles. And everybody's just trying to pay the debt. Oh, okay, I've got a mortgage. I've got a car debt. I've got a credit card debt. I've just got to go to work. doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter. I hate my job. doesn't matter that I'm getting shit wages that don't keep up with the price of inflation or the um, asset bubbles. Um, I just need to go to work. I need to do what i got to do. Um, I've got to work 50 hour work weeks doing a job that I hate. And it's just having a money that's systematically broken, um, that's debased by 10% a year. It forces you into this kind of high time preference mentality where you, you don't think with a low time preference, you can't plan for your future. You can't, you know, delay gratification because all of your money is going to, paying all of the things that imprison you the, the mortgage the debt for your credit card the, um yeah all, that's all the you... fiat stuff that you buy you know like yes. the the you know um my my wife uh when i occasionally get to drop some bitcoin bombs on her um we <laughs> occasionally were, yeah she, she's just like okay that's enough i'm done um but uh at the at t-ball over the weekend um which is just you know like american baseball um uh for like little kids and uh my wife was sitting near the other team and she was just overhearing like parent conversations and she was just like oh my god like these people they're talking about going to starbucks and how they go every day and they get their drink and she's like looking at it and she was like this cup was like massive she's like yeah it'd been like that's like a seven eight dollar coffee you know and i was like bitcoin fixes this like like we're yes. driving out like I, 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 yes bitcoin fixes this because like <laughs> people like they they're so stuck in that fiat mindset and it's like yeah. once you get pulled through the orange pill you're like on the other side you're like i mean it's like look it's it's kind of like whenever you can you have figured out the matrix when neo figures out the matrix and everything's ones and zeros around you where you can just look yeah. around and see everything for what it is and you're like that's a waste of money. That's a waste of money. That's a waste of money. 
That's like, a distraction. That's a distraction. That's a distraction. It, it, I'm glad you brought up the matrix metaphor. I was about to bring it up. Once you take the orange pill and you see the world for what it really is, you can't unsee anything in your everyday life. You realize that everybody's been systematically um, brainwashed um, through the propaganda machines, the TV. Like that's a, that's a lot of the reason why every our society is so kind of materialistic. It's, it's, forced into people from the day they're born on the tvs oh no you want the fancy car oh yeah you want the you want the fancy house here in australia there's nothing as safe as brick and mortar yeah you've got to go and um got to got to jump onto the 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 property ladder it's all when you see all of it you're like everything just makes sense everybody's so distracted Everybody, they might get one day off a week on the Sunday and they don't want to face the reality of the situation they're in. They go and get absolutely plastered um, and they just have these massive benders because they're stuck in this kind of nihilistic, self-perpetuating doom loop and they just think, I can't do anything with my life. I can't plan for the future. I don't have time to learn. I don't have time to have any sort of entrepreneurial thinking. I'm just my my only 12 hour day that I have off work. I'm just going to go and get absolutely plastered. So I don't have any sort of sense of the reality of the world and what's actually occurring. People don't want to come to the realization or people don't want to think about the possibility that maybe they're living in the matrix and maybe what the, maybe the governments don't have their best interests at heart. Maybe um, the reason they can't get ahead is because the money is systematically broken in a very intentional manner to steal from the everyday person who doesn't understand how money works. I mean, everybody goes to school and in school, we used to always like joke around. Why aren't we getting taught about like the useful things, like how to avoid taxes or, um, how to think entrepreneurially or out of the box. I mean, even at university, um, when I was there, I, I noticed it. it. You're not taught or encouraged to kind of use critical thinking. To mm-hmm. it's, it's you read this. That's the way it is. Um, Keynesian economics is God. Government is God. Printing money is normal. Inflation is normal. You read all that and you simply regurgitate it on a test. You're not thought to think critically of how that could be bad for uh, the economy, how that could create um, wealth inequality, how that could create asset bubbles. They don't teach you about financial history. They don't teach you about gold being money for the past 5,000 years. And it's people don't want to come to the realization that maybe the nation state or our government don't have our best wishes at heart. Earlier, you mentioned uh, prison. They're creating potentially a perfect prison for us. Um, And when I say this to people like normies, they kind of you know, their eyes just glaze over. They're like, oh yeah, right. A crazy Bitcoin is going on a crazy Bitcoin ram. But I, I say it very simply, it's either Bitcoin succeeds or we're living in an absolute digital panopticon, a, a literally like a 1984 or animal farm-like environment in 20 years time. Because when you transition into the digital age, with the technological revolution of the uh, 1971, the computer Um, when we're living in this digital environment, you could be really screwed. Like we have the potential to be living in this digital prison where all of our transactions are surveilled, all of our communications are surveilled. 
there's a camera on the corner of every single street. Um, they ban cash. Um, like this is the direction our current governments are taking us in. They want uh, full surveillance of every citizen. And you you mentioned the World Economic Forum earlier. They're coming out there and they're telling you, look, um, you will own nothing. You'll be happy. Everything that you want in your life in the future, don't worry about owning it. You will rent it. And it's kind of like when you're a Bitcoiner and you see, you see the overall trend of where everything's going, it becomes very obvious the direction they want to take us. I mean, China's kind of working on a central bank digital currency model where each citizen has a social credit score um, and they've, they've really phased out cash over there. And if you have a bad social credit score, you and your whole family can instantly get cut off the financial system. You can't transact. You can't buy food. You can't get a train ticket. You can't get a plane ticket. You're trapped in this perfect prison and overnight, in China, you can get disappeared. And a lot of people say, no, Luke, you're crazy. If Bitcoin doesn't succeed, that that couldn't come to a Western democratic country. There's no way that our governments in the United States or Australia would do that to us. That's crazy talk. But look at the direction they're taking us. Every single country, Reserve Bank of Australia, the US Fed, they're all talking about implementing a central bank digital currency. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I've said a lot there. Oh, um, no, no, keep yeah. Don't don't you don't have to stop uh, ranting. You're you're good. <laughs> I, I could listen to the to the Luke rant. I mean that yeah, it's it's like um, that's where they're taking us. That that is where they're taking us in every single country around the world. I haven't even put the tinfoil hat on uh, yet. <laughs> I don't want to get too conspiratorial, but you I, have I think one right there. The, yeah, fucking if I do. I, I have to keep it from my videos, man. I, I always get really, uh, <laughs> I always bring out the conspiracy theories, but I, I think everything you're seeing in the world, um, it's a classic example of the, uh, the quote from the Roman empire. It's all, if you distract the masses with the bread and the circuses, they will never revolt. And I think all the events that you're seeing um, post 2020 is exactly that. They're all distractions and they're all divide and conquer techniques oh, you don't want to get the uh, medical uh, the medical treatment from the government, oh, divide and conquer the race wars, the tax the rich thing. Like recently with AOC wore that dress from the, yeah. um, oh, it's the irony, the irony that she rocks up at some $30,000 ticketed privileged event um, with the There's slogan no tax the, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, it's a different set of rules for the upper class the cantillionaires than it is for the rest of us plebs, the 99.9%. Um, I and- think I, we're, do you think people are starting to wake up to it? Cause I mean, so you're living it in Australia cause it's absolutely insane what's going on there now. Um, but I think that like people in maybe like a soft way are revolting. Cause not everybody, as much as we'd love everybody to be as vocal as we are about like speaking out against these problems. Um, I think that a lot of places like people were just like being like, you know what? Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Like, yeah, like they're like, they're going to push another thing on me. Like, you know, they, so those people might, you know, obey and, you know, comply or whatever. And if push came to shove and their money was on the line, they'd, they'd have to comply. But I think that a lot of people, and, and the good thing is that'll wake more people up because they'll be like, you know, you walk in the stores, you see people, 
I mean, just people starting to realize how f the system is, you know, like I, I've, I've said on the spaces before, you know, I'm like, um, orange pilling, um, or if it's lightning, it's yellow pilling, maybe, um, uh, I like that. the, the, delivery or like people like doing like uh pickup orders and stuff at like target and like the other you know walmart or whatever i'm like tipping them in sat and like hey like download this download the moon wallet download wallet of satoshi and right now i will send you a 1000 sats for doing the you know job you're doing because the funny thing is if i actually i think for the most part some of them will take it but i actually i remember during the pandemic trying to like tip them and they were like oh we're not supposed to take tips and i was like all right just show me you know i'll just i'll just scan your qr code i'll send you something don't worry um and That's uh awesome. you know so i think stuff like that people are starting to wake up and go something's wrong like you know even i don't know do you think nor like we say normies do you think normies are starting to wake up and go something's a little off like that moment yeah. when you wake up and you're like you can smell it in the air you're like something something's weird something's yeah. going down yeah when you um I, I get accused a little bit of being a little bit uh too dystopic or talking about the really potential for a really dark kind of future um, i always like to reinforce the fact that no i think bitcoin wins in the long run bitcoin's oh, yeah. just saving us from this really orwellian dystopic uh future i just like to outline it so people are aware of what where we're going if bitcoin fails and you know the um, people call us con- like call you conspiracy theorists and i said to my dad when he was saying like oh you're being a little conspiracy theory i was like that i would agree with you if they didn't actually say these things on their websites like yep. it's there they say yep. it in plain english that's so, what i was saying earlier i was like i haven't even brought out the tinfoil hat yet this is all literally stuff off yeah, the word economic said- forums website <laughs> They, they're, they're telling you, you own nothing and you'll be happy. That's their prediction for 2030. Uh, the International Monetary Fund, right? This isn't some Chinese think tank kind of national news website. The IMF, International Monetary Fund, came out November last year in 2020. And they said, yes, we think it's a good idea that everybody around the world um, has their social credit score um, influenced by what they type into Google. This is the International Monetary Fund talking about social credit scores how is that related to international monetary fund uh, jurisdictions? Why are they talking about that? So, yeah, I think um, that's where they're taking us. Um, and I think, yes, there is enough people waking up. I think in, in February or March last year in 2020, I said, look, this isn't one-time lockdown. You know where it's going to end. I, I was reading the ID 2020, the Bill Gates Connections with the whole ID 2020, I was like, where, where it ends? And I was reading the, um, I'd read the fourth industrial revolution, um, the book that Klaus Schwab had written from, um, he's the head of the World Economic Forum. Uh, it's a book detailing in the fourth industrial revolution, we're going to merge the biological man with machines. And he's been on videos saying, yeah, it's very likely that by 2030, everybody will have a computer chip implanted into their brain and we will know their thoughts before they even think them. So I was like, as soon as the lockdowns happened in 2020 and there was a virus, um, I was like, yep, this is the mechanism. This isn't all 14 days to flatten the curve. You're going to get recurring lockdowns. You're going to have 10 or 11 lockdowns. You're going to have lots of different strains. It's going to end in compulsory vaccination and they're going to eventually get something into your body. Uh, like This is the World Economic Forum CEO telling you that this is what's going to happen. And I was saying that in 
uh, February 2020, when lockdowns were first mentioned, um, people thought I was nuts then. Abs- like people thought I was full blown, like tinfoil hat was out. People thought I was full blown crazy. Uh, but now I think a lot of people are waking up. I think you've already seen the line drawn in the sand. 20 to 30% of people in most countries around the world have said, nope, that's the line in the sand. As soon as you try to forcibly put something in my body, that's it. It's not happening. And so I think that's enough for a revolution. Um, I think the 20%, they're all Bitcoiners. They just don't know it yet. Um, I think, um, I think, I also think that um, just the fact that the nation state in the past 18 months, people need to zoom out. If 18 months ago in 2019, I'd said to you, look, every single Western democratic country, even the United States, the country that has the most freedom and the most guns in the world, if I tell you that their president's pushing through compulsory medical, uh, I don't want to get this banned or taken down, compulsory medical inoculations, and they put you on repeating and recurring lockdowns, that that wouldn't happen, would it? And people would have said, there's no way in the goddamn world, but look at how far like the Overton windows changed in 18 months. And I think people are suffering from recency bias and they don't think that in 18 months time, things can get just as exponentially crazy. And I think they will. I think I said this in a space yesterday. I think the next two years will be the most transformative years in human history. Um, I think it has the potential to all shake out in the next two, three years. I think fiat collapses. I think Bitcoin goes through some sort of, um, escape velocity where it breaks all of these stock to flow models. I think Bitcoin's, um, I common, I've got bets with a few different people. I think Bitcoin hits $10 million before 2030. And I think it's all due to all the madness we're seeing in the world. The, the madness and how quickly things are changing in the world is in my eyes, an indication that central banks and nation states around the world are under the, they're aware of the fact that they're losing control of the monopoly on money for the first time in 5,000 years. And they're freaking the F out. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's Bitcoin. And I think we're just watching more and more intelligent individuals uh, realize that Bitcoin is the solution to the biggest problem that we've got in human history. And that's a broken money. And that's elites being able to monopolize the money, whether that be through coin clipping or whether that be through egregious taxation or whether that be through a magic money printer that we have now in the 20th century, the money's always been able to be corrupted. It's always been able to be monopolized by the elites. And finally, for the first time in human history, we have a form of money that cannot be monopolized. And it it's going to separate um, the state and money. And uh, I think we're watching them wake up to the realisation of that. And that's why they're freaking out so much, trying to grab as much control um, before they're ready to implement central bank digital currencies. I think they're, I think they're literally racing the clock against central bank digital currencies I think lockdowns that come out every two to three months are really conveniently timed um, to kind of slow down the velocity of money and stop inflation getting out of hand. Um, I think the Mm. fact that the reverse repo is there's a, there's currently every single night, $1.5 trillion um, of money, excess liquidity in the system that people is shoving it to the fed and the fed is having to take $1.5 trillion off the market every single night. 
um, to kind of keep the stability of the system alive. And then on the upper end of that, the Fed's still printing $120 billion every single month to keep the bailouts going and to keep the system solvent. And then you're also watching inflation levels, which we haven't seen in 50 years, be printed. I mean, um, we touched on the manipulated CPI inflation index hitting 5 or 6%. Um, that's right. It's heavily manipulated. It was heavily manipulated in the 80s and the 90s. Real inflation um, is somewhere between 13 and 14% in the US, not 5 or 6%. Um, I highly recommend everyone go and check out the website. Uh, Shadow Stats simply measures the way the governments used to measure inflation before they manipulated the metrics in the 80s or 90s. And real inflation's 13 Didn't they just manipulate them again? Yeah, Biden was talking about taking commodities out of the CPI inflation basket recently. And there was a there's another story from a Fed official somewhere that was saying, um, yeah, if you take chicken, meat and eggs um, out of the CPI inflation basket, inflation is more in line with what it's historically been. And it's like, mate, that's what... That's half my goddamn grocery bill, chicken, eggs, and meat. And there's a good reason they want to take it out of the basket because meat's up 700% in the past 10 years, and it's up 100% since 2020. Chicken's up 50% since 2020. Eggs are up, God knows. I, I, don't, have the, I don't have that figure on the top of my head. I won't throw out one I don't know. But that, that ain't 5% inflation, ladies and gentlemen. That's 50% inflation. Corn, up 50%. Lumber had some ridiculous spike up 400%, but has recently crashed back down. Um, all of the things I'm looking at, none of that's 5% inflation. Used cars up 100% year over year. It's insane. I, yeah, I think it's the beginnings of hyperinflation. And I think they're freaking out. Um, and I think supply chain issues, uh, lockdowns. Uh, recently, there was, uh, was one of the Democrat democratic ladies in the u.s she gave a press conference recently and said yeah climate change is now going to infect inflation because guess what it's raising the water levels and it's going to impact the ports so that's oh. going to impact the supply chains and that's going to cause inflation um I, so I do you think that's what this whole supply chain supply chain holding up things at the ports is about right now yep to yeah, show them what the problem could be in the future yep yeah it's all to um um, and I think it's also maybe potentially to implement martial law. Um, I think in, in, there was a law passed yesterday or the day before for Canada, uh, Wyoming, and a couple of states in the US where it's now legal for the military to be called in and take over the jobs of the people who've been fired because they didn't want to get the medical uh, inoculation. Um, so that's now legal for the military to come in and that same law um, enables them to be able to walk into your home and seize uh, personal property um, all in the name of COVID and safety, of course. Um, God, this video is going to get taken down, but um, <laughs> it was so screwed. I might not um, put yeah. this one on YouTube, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I've already got a strike on my channel, so I'm screwed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think all of it's, um, as Laser Hoddle says, um, it's all a distraction to distract you from what's really going on. And that's monetary reset. And they're trying to get their idea of the next system 
ready, um, and that's central bank digital currencies. Um, and I think they're probably a year away from getting a CBDC implemented, and I think they're freaking out. All of the supply chain interruptions, it's all, it, this is me speculating. This is tinfoil hat stuff, so now I'm speculating. This mm-hmm. is all trying to hold up the financial system long enough until um, they're ready to roll out the CBDCs. So do you think that, I mean, whew, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah I've been ranting for a while. No, Sorry, mate. No, you're, that's, uh, you're uh, scaring the bejeebas out of me. Um, but, uh, but uh, you know, that's it, also the truth is uncomfortable um, sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I think it helps people as well. When you understand why all the craziness is going on, um, I think it helps to orient people. There's a lot of people dazed and confused. Uh, they're focused on they're focused on losing their job. They're focused on Black Lives Matter, Antifa. They're focused on compulsory this and that. But when you realise it's all just a smokescreen and a distraction to to disguise what's really going on with the monetary system, it's I think it can help some people kind of yeah. on them. Um yeah it's like it, i think that's what's happening is it's like everybody's getting disoriented everybody's like what like which way is up like i don't know you know what i mean yeah. like i don't even feel gravity anymore um and i you know i, I think i think it's very interesting that um you know you have these small organizations that were in charge of all this money and steering the ship for hundreds and hundreds of years if not thousands um and all of a sudden it's going to go bust on their watch and it's all because of Bitcoin. Like yeah. there's nothing they can do to stop it. And um, so how do you think, I mean, so you've laid out the doomsday scenario. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Shit goes, shit goes awry. Um, I mean, we're seeing, you know, distractions with supply chain issues Um inflation is going crazy but they're disguising it um so what happens you know how does bitcoin fix this as the question that we always ask in bitcoin is how does bitcoin fix this because um it might be a bumpy few you know year two years um but uh yeah how does how does this your speculation not tinfoil but you know how do you, how do you see the, on the positive note how does bitcoin save the situation here yeah so uh, firstly bitcoin uh doesn't cause any of this uh, the central bankers and every government around the world um, when they started manipulating the money and uh, introducing central banks in 1913, the history was sown. As soon as you start debasing the money um, and you start accumulating debt that's unsustainable, you always need to have a, a reversion to the mean. You need to um, clear out the um, the overgrown forest uh, that is unproductive. You need a, what is it, a forest fire? I'm not yeah. a... Yeah, no, no, a, I mean... They do like a controlled burns, um, but like, but there is, it's funny because it's a good analogy because, um, you know, in the United States, they try to, they try to manipulate and do like the most human thing ever and, and, uh, think that we can control these wildfires. Um, and I think it's like right in Baja, Mexico, like right on the other side of the border of, from California. Um, they don't do what we do in the States. And like they don't have the wildfires that that we do, 
Um, and it's because they let it, they let nature take its course. Um, it, yes, there are brush fires, um, but it burns off dead vegetation like nature's supposed to and lets it flourish in other places. Whereas we try to manipulate it and manipulate the forest. And then all of a sudden it explodes and you have raging fires. Yeah, that's right. The, the, if the, um, you can't take volatility out of a market, it's like a living organism. You can't step in there and manipulate things and caress, caress the market and encourage all of these speculators and unsustainable, uh, business ventures because it's unproductive, it's not profitable, and they're only being kept alive by this absolute uh, debt spiral, this absolute debt binge. Um, 30% of the companies in the S&P 500 are zombie companies. They can't pay back the debt that they have. They, they can't even afford the interest on their debt, okay? So um, the Fed stepping in and doing bailouts every five years, whether that be 1987, the year 2000 with the tech bubble crash, the 2008 housing bubble crisis, and then obviously the um, 2020 or 2019 recession, as I call it. Um, It's every time you step in and you try and smooth the business cycle and you don't let prices correct to where they should be, you continue to encourage all these speculators and unproductive business ventures. um, And it weakens the, it simply weakens the help, the economy and the businesses in it. Okay. You can't take volatility out of a market. All you're doing is compressing the volatility and putting it off into the future. Eventually you're going to have to meet, you know, you're going to have to pay the piper eventually. And the longer you kick the can down the road or delay the reckoning, the bigger the reckoning is going to be. Um, so I think uh, that was all, that was inevitable. As soon as you started to base the money, 1913 and 1971 was a really big uh, stepping stone or a crossing of the Rubicon kind of event. As soon as you did that, the, the, end, the end result that we're about to experience was inevitable from 1971, even 1913. The chaos that we're about to see um, was always going to happen, um, always going to happen. And the longer they keep the can, the bigger the chaos um, is going to be. So Bitcoin fixes that um, on the other side of a very messy, of a, of a transition that has the potential to be very messy. You can actually rebuild society with a sound money that nobody can control. Um, so that's where Bitcoin comes in. Um, and obviously, um, the reason that the chaos is going to be so chaotic is because the money was able to be centralized and manipulated. And the more it was manipulated, the larger the volatility will be or, or the larger the reckoning uh, the manipulators, the central bankers and policymakers have created. Uh, so obviously, when we're on a Bitcoin standard, it's unmonopolizable. You can't monopolize the money supply. You can't take volatility out of the market. You can't um, give really cheap credit to these unproductive speculators who don't have a productive business venture. And they're simply just piling on more and more debt um, to speculate on assets. None of that speculative fever uh, sh- should be present on a Bitcoin standard because everybody's following the same rules. There is no interest rate apartheid, as uh, Max Kaiser coins it. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the same interest rates. Everybody follows the same rules. There are no rulers. Um, so I think once we do transition, um, Bitcoin is kind of 
uh, a foundation that you can actually rebuild society on. Um, so thank God we've got Bitcoin. I say that. Oh, yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. Thank um, God for Bitcoin. Um, and that's why I, I say there's, you know, if you're a religious person, you can see this. And I, I am. I say there's a touch of divinity to Bitcoin, um, you know, where uh, it was, you know, uh, an idea that was, you know, sent down or however you want to look at it. Um, it's something that uh, that saves us from from spiraling out of control. Um, and, uh, you know, it, um, it's, it's just crazy. So what do you, what do you recommend to people for, for navigating these, these, these waters? I mean, you know, supply chains are going to get crunched. Like I've been telling people just keep your loved ones close, buy some land, try and get some space, get out of cities. You know, if you're in a city, you're doing it wrong. That's a massive one. Getting out of cities is really, really important. Uh, that's huge. Um, I, I think like when the when the really bad lockdowns happen and the really bad protests and riots happen, we haven't seen them yet. Um, they're going to be able to seal the entire cities. They did that with Sydney. They essentially sealed a city that has like what, I don't know, 2 million people in it in Australia. Um, they called the military in and you're not allowed out outside of a five kilometer radius from your home. It's absolutely absurd. So you get out of the cities as laser hoddle says it, make yourself asymmetrically expensive to tyranny, get out in the land where it's very hard for the government and the nation state to bring tyranny to your doorstep. Um, so get local um, food supply. I think everybody should have, um, I've got God knows years worth of food on me. Um, so I mean, I, 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 I nearly think of that as a store of value or a, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because food's going lots up of ramen. at such a rate. Yeah. Lots of ramen. Yep. Wheat bix. I've got everything in my little, um, um, my little, my little bunker. You can call it a bunker. It's not much of a bunker. It's just a walk-in closet, but I've got all my food, bottled water, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Bitcoin. Um, I, I, so I was saying this to someone the other day in a space. Um, I, I'm not even a fan of owning property through the transition. I see everything can be confiscatable. Um, I want to be mobile in the transition, so I'm renting. Um, and I want the ability to get out of cities or even get out of uh, somewhat populated towns and areas quickly if I need to be because... We've never seen hyperinflation um, in the Western world, um, but all of the hyperinflations, when people can't feed their family because the price of food's so expensive and the banks have been frozen like they like they have been in Nigeria this year and like they were last year in Lebanon and Venezuela, when the banks get frozen and people can't feed their family, uh, people you would normally consider rational actors uh, begin acting in an unrational way. If they can't feed their family and they know that you're a Bitcoiner, I, I think that's probably a bad idea to be anyone who has any kind of wealth um, in a potential doomsday scenario. Obviously, I hope none of this happens. Um, I kind of had this thesis in early 2020. I was like, wow, this is how it's going to end. It's going to be really nasty. I haven't seen anything in the past 16 months to suggest that we're going to be able to avoid um, this really kind of potentially doomsday kind of scenario. Um, I think the nation state's going to try to fight Bitcoin. Um, They look to be just increasing their control 
in every country around the world. Um, every, oh, I won't go down that rabbit hole. That'll get us properly deleted. Um, but I would encourage the listener to go and have a look at every president from every country who said no to lockdowns and vaccine passports. Have a look at what happened to their presidents in the weeks following that. Um, there's six of them at the moment. So there's a little bit of a rabbit hole for the listeners to go down. Um, I mean, yeah, I, it looks like there's a pretty clear agenda um, by whoever's controlling each government around the world to enforce this great reset and this kind of build back better agenda. I think, um, yeah, if you have any doubt of that, just have a look at the uh, lockstep coordinated policy decisions by every single country around the world. Um, so, yeah, get food, get water, get Bitcoin. Um, I don't have a problem with having something like six or 12 months of like um, like cash, like not money in the bank, because in a transition, that's going to be frozen. Um, 2008, the entire system froze in 2008. Um, mm-hmm. And that's like banks freeze. Any money in the banks isn't yours. Superannuation, that's not yours. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't really want to be in debt for this transition. Um, I see all of the assets, stocks, real estate, uh, money in the bank. That's all assets in the previous system that's about to collapse. I don't want to hold any any money in assets that's in the previous system until we've transitioned. Um, yeah, so that that's a bit of a rabbit hole, but that's the advice I would have for people. Uh, I like what you said. Get local, keep your friends and family close. I think that's really sound advice. Um, yeah, be, yeah be just pre- got to weather out the storm. You know, it's yeah, it's gonna be a and little I'm, crazy. Ignore the and, internet. You know, stay yes. off the internet. Take yep. take a nature bath. You know, yeah. Get your feet in the grass, like your actual feet. You know, like with no shoes on. You know, yeah. enjoy nature. Um, yeah, pick, my kids are going to be feral. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Feral and feral and safe and enjoying life and not caught up with the mainstream propaganda or stuck in the pods in the cities. I like that. Um, but yeah, people were. I think all of the chaos and all of the change and all of the really crazy stuff that's all essential to wake people up to the fact that life isn't as good as they have previously thought it was for the past 20 or 30 years like the position we are in history right now relative to a lot of these um cycles is really unique like we're at the conclusion of this 250 year revolutionary cycle we're at the conclusion of this 90 year fourth turning cycle uh we're at the conclusion of the 75 to 100 year long-term debt cycle um, and in each one of those, like at the at the conclusion of it, it always ends in war or uh, the American Revolution and the French Revolution in the late 1700s, um, like the past, the last fourth turning that we went through, which is the every 90 year cycle that was between like 1929 and 1945. What did you have in the middle of that? You had Hitler, Mussolini, um, you had Great World Depression. War Two, Great Depression. Um, 90 years before that, you had the civil war in America. 90 years before that, um, you had the, the revolutionary war in America. It's, yeah, like we're in such a unique position in human history and everybody's kind of suffering from this recency bias. Like everybody alive today, they've only grown up and lived through the good times. They've grown up after World War II and they think that um, all of the 
all of the really good times that they're experiencing, they think it's just all normal. They, they don't understand the strength um, or the hard times that was necessary to create the good times. Um, what's the quote? Um, good times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create weak times. I think I've butchered good times, that. Yeah, no, no, the land. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. The listener, the listener will know the cycle. Um, and we're living in weak times, and we're watching the realization that the men are weak. The times are hard. We're going to need uh, strong men to get us out of um, the hard times. But on the other side of that, it's going to be such a kind of awakening event that it, it's, I think it's going to be the biggest revolution in human history. Um, I, I think that a Bitcoin standard has the ability to end a lot of these 90 year cultural and generational cycles or significantly diminish it at least. I think taking um, the money out of the hands of the government's um, is going to stop this boom and bust cycle that we go through with this 80-year long-term debt cycle. So potentially no more 10-year economic depressions like we had in the 1930s or like we're going to have and co- have kind of been living through since mm-hmm. 2008. We've kind of been living through a 10-year depression. When you look at GDP growth on the Shadow Stats website, we actually haven't been... Um, there's really been no economic growth. It's just been more and more debt being piled onto the system, more and more bailouts to give the illusion of nominal GDP growth. Um, again, in a very heavily manipulated metric, um, unemployment isn't like five or 6% like governments claim it is. When you look at the unemployment metric on shadow stats, it's actually much more like 25%. So that's more of an indication that we're actually in a depression, not in a um, healthy economy. Um, so yeah, I think, I think rebuilding on the other side, I think it really is a modern day Renaissance. I think it really is going to be probably the biggest revolution in human history. Um, and I think you think that'll happen by 2025. So I think, um, so I think we're probably still chaotic by 2025. I think Bitcoin, um, I think we have a run on Bitcoin that breaks the stock to flow model before 2025. I think now that you've got nation states stacking Bitcoin, now that you've got all of the largest macroeconomic investors around the world interested in buying Bitcoin, uh, so that's Ray Dalio, Stanley Druckenmiller, Bill Miller. Um, you've got all the biggest banks in America, JP Morgan, Citibank. They're all interested in Bitcoin. I think now you've got the big money in Bitcoin. They're the money that's going to break um, the S-curve adoption um, or not break it, but they're the money that's going to um, send us up the um, the the really steep part of that S-curve adoption chart um, because there's no coins for sale. Like there's no Bitcoins for sale. Nobody's selling any Bitcoin. Uh, what is it? Like 86% of the supply hasn't moved in six months. Um, there's only like what? Uh, two and a half million coins on an exchange. When you start Where doing Where are those the math, coins coming from? Hey. Where are those coins coming from? Nobody's selling. That's the thing. So it's not going to take a lot of large actors to get involved to send Bitcoin to 500K or even $5 million in the next five years. People think I'm crazy, but do the math. Michael Saylor has 100,000 coins. Let's do some some moon moon math. (laughs) This is everybody's first introduction to moon math. So let's go with it. I love my moon math, but I mean, if there's only two, two and a half million coins on, on the, on the exchange, right. And Michael Saylor owns a hundred thousand coins. 
how many Michael Saylors can come in and accumulate a position of the same size that Michael Saylor has? 25 people, that's it, 25 entities. And you start looking at the amount of cash out there, there's hundreds of trillions of dollars managed by institutions. I mean, even the largest tech companies around the world, Microsoft, Apple, they all have like $200 billion worth of money sitting on their cash. balance sheet. Just yeah, sitting there. That Michael Saylor calls a melting ice cube that's losing 30% of its value each year. What happens when when Bill Gates and co come to the realization that they're sitting on a $200 billion pile of melting fiat? What happens when they have the same realization that Michael Saylor has? Michael Saylor really eloquently um, describes the process that we all go through when you ha- when you eat the orange pill and you realize what Bitcoin is. Michael Saylor was panicked that he would wake up the next day and somebody would figure Bitcoin out before he was able to establish his position. He said he was panicked that he wanted to accumulate his position as soon as he could. Um, like he was saying, he had these bots that were what making Bitcoin transactions every three seconds. Um, yeah. He was quietly buying millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin to yeah. uh, not send buying, the price like, crazy. I think he, he was buying like one Bitcoin a second on average. Yeah. You know, yeah. like just so that it, it was spread out. Um, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause um, yeah. I, I mean, like I even have, that's the only panic I have about Bitcoin is like, I've I've mentioned it before in spaces, but there's this like this this um, keg of dry powder that uh, I'm waiting on that is is coming back to me, but I can't control when it comes back to me. And my God, was like you know it was just a little over a year ago. Uh, it was like right before the pandemic that I made this investment. Um, boy, do I regret that because um, <laughs> you know it'll in fiat terms pay off. Um, but I'm sitting here the whole time. I've been like in panic mode waiting for this to come back so that I can immediately turn it all into Bitcoin. And yeah, I, I kind of have that same, I don't remember hearing Michael Saylor say that, but I, I believe it because I, I have the same panic where I sit there and I mm-hmm. like, it starts ripping up and I'm like, no, 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 come wait, back, come back, wait, come back. Wait. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not, I'm not yeah. all in. Like, I mean, I'm all in in every other aspect, but I'm not all in in this aspect. Like, Jesus, yeah. please wait. Um, come back. Uh, these, these, this is going to happen on the nation state level you're going to have nation state level actors who come to the same realization that Michael Saylor had, and they're going to be panicked to buy Bitcoin. Um, Like Bitcoin Tina says it, um, he says it really well. You could see a scenario where Bitcoin just gets repriced. That could happen over a week or a month, but you could wake up one day and the price of Bitcoin goes from 300K to $10 million because nobody's selling. And someone like um, a nation state, like say, uh, Turkey's a bad example because they're just trying to ban Bitcoin right now. But say a nation mm-hmm. state like Nigeria or a bigger, uh, like uh, was it Brazil came out yeah. recently and they're pushing through a bill for to make Bitcoin as potentially legal tender. What happens when a country like Brazil or Mexico, who has 100 million people, what happens when they make Bitcoin legal tender? Uh, I, I, I think, yeah, I think all the models are going to break in the next five years. Um, I, I think there's probably a, Probably like a, if I had to put a probability on it, I think the models break. Um, like there's a 30% probability that it breaks this cycle, 2022. 
Um, and I think there's probably a 60 to 70% probability that it breaks by the 2024 cycle. So you asked earlier, uh, what happens by 2025? Um, it's, I think it's structurally impossible that we're all living on a Bitcoin standard by 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, infrastructure I just, needs to be built. Yeah, lightning. It's just not happening. But I see a scenario where there's maybe Bitcoin, the US dollar, and maybe a couple of the other larger fiats left, like maybe the Chinese yuan, maybe the euro. Um, I, I can see a scenario in five or six years where there's only Bitcoin, the US dollar, the euro, and the Chinese yuan left fighting it out. Uh, the dollar milk, for anyone who's listening, I, I subscribe to the dollar milkshake theory uh, by Brent Johnson. When the currencies collapse, the USD is going to be the last one to collapse because there's so much USD denominated debt out there in these emerging markets and the whole euro dollar. And uh, that's a whole cluster F that's, that's a, that's a system that's just out of control. So yeah, I think, um, and I do think nation states are going to try and attack Bitcoin when it goes through this kind of S curve price rally. I think as Bitcoin goes from 200 K 300 K 500 K and it starts getting out of control simultaneously while the legacy financial system is breaking down on the other end, we talked about the transitory inflation, the $120 billion of QE a month. We talked about the reverse repo market. While Bitcoin's going through 200, 300, 400, 500K, wouldn't be surprised to see the nation states really attack it really hard. Um, what does that look like? Let's speculate, tinfoil hat. Let's really speculate. Um, Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Forum in 2019, October 2019, Klaus Schwab held a tabletop scenario forecasting event predicting what would happen if a coronavirus epidemic was to break out around the world. This was October 20... Yeah, October 2019, right? He got some global leaders all around the world. They Really elaborate videos. They're still on Google. The people can go and check them out if you think I'm going down the tinfoil hat rabbit hole. But all the videos are still up there. This was October. This was a month after the repo market blew up. This was two months after the yield curve inverted. This was two months after the Fed was printing hundreds of billions of dollars and all the while being very adamant that it shouldn't be regarded as QE. Klaus and the World Economic Forum uh, co-partnered with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and held Event 201. What would happen if coronavirus broke out? We all know what happened two months later. Now, 2021, Klaus and the World Economic Forum held another tabletop scenario forecasting event predicting what would happen to the world if a cyber terror attack was to attack the electrical grid and take down the internet. What would happen? And they came out of that event saying, yeah, we think there's a 12% probability that by 2030, the entire global, I think it's the global electrical grid and the internet could go down. And Klaus is saying, yeah, the, the cyber um, pandemic could be even crazier than COVID. It could be even scarier. The grid could go down for weeks, even months on end. So um, that could be a way, ladies and gentlemen, that maybe the nation state fights back against Bitcoin. Um, This is really tinfoil hat speculation territory here. I'm really speculating, Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see that. And I've prepared uh, accordingly. I think think the World Economic Forum proved their predictive capabilities in late 2019, predicting a a virus outbreak that was absurd, really. So I pay attention to what they say. Um, And that's what Klaus is talking about. He held that event called Cyber Polygon, I think it was three months ago 
predicting a uh, internet apocalypse. That's what he calls it at Cyber Polygon. So that wouldn't surprise me. That is also the mechanism in which I ex- maybe expect could be one scapegoat they use to transition the old financial system into the new financial system, um, onto the central bank digital currency back system. Um, they're all we're already seeing the ransomware attacks and the cyber terror attacks on the rise in 2020. I saw an article the other day, um, cyber attacks are up 330% in 2020 over um, compared to 2019. What a surprise. Um, And all of like the, um, what was that pipeline that went down in the United States caused all the the blackouts? Um, They blamed that on Bitcoin as well. They said, yeah, the hackers got caught using five or $6 million of Bitcoin. It was a, they demanded Bitcoin. So it wouldn't surprise me if Bitcoin's demonized in this potential risk factor. Okay. I'm speculating. Do you think the Facebook, the Facebook uh, going down today, do you think that has anything to do with it? I probably a test run. Who knows? It could just be a, like Facebook and these services go out. Uh, a couple of times every year, so it could just be server issues, but it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I was I was very interested. On it's eerie timing. Story. Yeah, yeah, eerie it is. timing. Um, but I'm I'm interested. So if that attack happens, I don't know what probability of that happening is. Like I'm really speculating, twenty or thirty percent probability. Um, if that does happen, I'm really interested to see what happens to Bitcoin then. Do countries like Brazil, Panama, Cuba, Ukraine, um, El Salvador, all of these countries that have shown interest in Bitcoin in the past month, what do they do when the uh, when the G7 or the G20 countries potentially attack Bitcoin? So like again, we're just speculating. I'm not sure what would happen, but I'm very interested to see what would happen. It wouldn't surprise me to see it adopted by a lot of these Latin American countries. Um, even the Argentinian president was in an interview last week, maybe the week before he got asked about Bitcoin laws and he said, Oh, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it. Hmm. Um, so that was interesting. Most presidents just write it off as a scam when asked about it. So, and the U S really does look like they're posturing to, um, clear out a lot of the shit coins. Like the U S is, um, surely there's a, uh, with the infrastructure bill, there was an amendment that came out of the White House or something um, that was hating on proof of stake specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looked yeah, like- Yeah, it was singling out proof of stake. And like, they basically said like, Bitcoin's the only like real, everything else is a, is a security. Yeah. So I'm really optimistic. I hope the US adopts Bitcoin. Um, I, I, really I, I have, I'm holding out for, I'm holding out faith for that. Cause like, you know, like I've said to people, do I trust politicians? No. Um, but do I hope for the best? Absolutely. Because if, if the U S adopted Bitcoin, I mean, it, it, whether they see it or not for the politicians, it it is in their best interest to adopt Bitcoin because it's the only way that the U S retains world power. Um, uh, but you know, it makes our lives a lot easier if they do. <laughs> it makes God, I'm, I, I, my fingers are crossed. Like I've laid out, like I've, I've just been, I've given you guys an absolute 
doom a doom loop of a rant for the past hour about the World Economic Forum and potential risk factors and potential uh, threats for how the nation state might fight back against Bitcoin. But I'm really hopeful. I, I hope it's a smooth transition. I hope the US adopts Bitcoin as um, in its treasuries. I hope the rest of the world adopts Bitcoin. And it's just China who's left banning it. Um, and I think that would be really fitting. Of course, a communist country um, and that essentially under a dictatorship kind of regime, it'd be really nice that a communist country bans freedom money. I mean, that's kind of, um, it's not really nice, but it's hopeful for the rest of the world who's opposed to China um, and theoretically opposed to China's uh, communistic model. It would be really nice that the rest of the world kind of says, you know what, if China bans Bitcoin, we'll adopt it. I, I'm really hopeful. I, I really yeah. do hope that happens. And I hope the people of China are, are able to access Bitcoin and escape the authoritarian rise of the central bank digital currency social credit score that's been forced upon the Chinese citizens. I, I think that's horrible. I, I hope they're able to use Bitcoin in a safe way. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, geopolitically, China banning Bitcoin theoretically, I think that's good for the rest of the world. Oh, yeah. People, I mean, I knew that it would cause some price issues in the short term, but I mean, like, I love the fact that the hash rate's already back up and and, and there's nothing. I mean, it's just like that was the biggest thing. Like, you know, the only thing bigger would be the US banning it, but like that would at this point be maybe marginally bigger, you yeah. know, marginally um so yeah i i think it's it's a beautiful thing to see how they're like we banned it and then like they're like we banned it by the way like they keep like throwing that out there in the news like yeah. by the way we super super ban it this time <laughs> yeah. man. like we yeah. really really mean it nobody <laughs> nobody's bitcoining in our house like yeah price no come back talk. yeah come back price come back they just, because they keep fudding it down and and it's uh it's Makes- and I don't. Well, go ahead. No, you go. No, I was just gonna say. I was like, it. It's just yeah. The whole the big picture thing. Um, it makes it the thing that's hard is that it's kind of why I don't know if you saw my interview with Preston, where like at the end I like impromptu asked him about patriotism, um, yeah. and like I don't know if you caught that or not, but like it's like I love my country. I love it. And yeah. I, I want to be here forever. Um, and, uh, you know, but it's like this weird situation everybody finds himself in. It's kind of that disorienting nature of what's been going on. And it's the realization that the a lot of people have been lied to, you know, and, um, and, every, and then so many things are built on lies. And so that is, you know, I'm excited to see that, you know, the truth went out um in the end no matter what truth does win out um and that's why i can sleep well at night because i i don't lie to people um i you know if i say i'm gonna do something a certain way that's the way i do it and you know live to the letter of the contract you know what i mean like uh, um you know i said this on princey's podcast i actually was on his podcast this morning um oh nice so, um and uh, but I said something about like uh, you know that you know with contracts or whatever like you know it's funny if you you know people can threaten all they want like different things but like if you don't lie it's really easy it's a like life's not that stressful 
it's pretty it's pretty simple um and i also wonder when did it become like morally acceptable for people to start lying at the scale that they do i mean it's like it's obviously rampant out of control the money system's a lie the media's a lie um the education's a lie the food's a lie you know and it's just like it's it's lying has lying has infected every aspect of our uh existence and um and it is one of the worst things you can do is lie you know tell the truth you can rest easy at night no matter what um so yeah um well dude i can we could keep going and telling well there's so many i can tell this is gonna keep we're gonna have multiple of these obviously but maybe this is a good time to tell people so um so we are kind of planning to be joint partners in the Bitcoin made simple. Is that, is that what you're, is that what we're agreeing to? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's do it live on air. Um, yeah. I mean, we yeah. are, we talk, so everybody knows we did talk about this. Yeah, know, we did. <laughs> before, before this. Uh, and this special been announcement. Works for a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. I guess this is the special bulletin. Uh, so, so basically, um, under the Bitcoin Made Simple podcast network, Luke and I will be partnering, um, and he will be doing once a week podcasts of his own show. Like, so if you're a subscriber and you you'll get the episodes, um, and I will continue to the interviews I do will continue to be BMS and then the number. Um, but uh, Luke, what what is your podcast titled? Uh, yeah, so I'm on YouTube at uh, Fix the Money, Fix the World. It's only on YouTube at the moment. Um, but I suppose, yeah, long term, I think we're all going to merge under the uh, Bitcoin Made Simple kind of uh, podcast banner. I think we've been talking about it for a little while A little while now. We're both pretty flat out with our time. Uh, we both love podcasting. We both get an absolute kick out of podcasting others. I think we're going to do a weekly. A yeah, weekly- yeah, and we'll do a weekly too. That's a yeah. and, that, and, that, and that'll be so that one is or did we settle on that name? Are we gonna go with that name? That, I like it. Just, I like it. Yeah. Okay. Go so it. it'll be Bitcoin breadcrumbs, um, and that came out in like a space or a Twitter space or something, right? Somebody somehow we were talking and yeah. somebody said something about Bitcoin breadcrumbs. Maybe you were dropping some knowledge, but but I think it's Never. like a. It's a it's a good uh did you say never drop a knowledge? Yeah. The uh but uh yeah, Bitcoin breadcrumbs because um you know basically be like a weekly we'll just Luke and I will sit down and shoot the breeze, talk about current events, things that happened in Bitcoin in the last week. Um and uh you know, give you a little bit of the Australian and um US bend on things. Um, I like it. And, and yeah, that way, uh, you know, hopefully for all of you listeners, you know, I mean, I, I, I think uh, it'll be, you know, you, you now you're getting three shows for the price of one, um, yeah. you know, yeah. all under one, uh, all under one roof. And, uh, and, you know, I'm happy to, to be partnered with Luke because, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, Luke and I met over the Internet like everybody meets nowadays. So, uh, yeah. And uh, he's a lot younger than me, so. <laughs> uh, don't be silly. Don't be yeah. silly. Not much younger at all. So I'm like me. this. I'm the old. I'm like the boomer of the uh, 
of the, of the, show. the group. Yeah. yeah. The boomer, like the old curmudgeon. Like, I remember back in my day whenever we had cable channels and you turned the knob on the TV to change the TV channel. Yeah. I love it. It's good. So, uh, I, I'm the out of control kid. You you need to rein me in from time to time. So I, yeah. I think it'll be a... I think it'd be good fun. Hopefully the yeah. first of many, my friend. Um, but yeah, I think I'm going to post this on my channel as well. So everybody listening to this on my channel um, on YouTube, make sure you go and su- subscribe to uh, Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast because eventually we're probably going to transition everything to there and make it really seamless and do everything under the one banner. So yeah. 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 And if you guys, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're supporting you're, if you're supporting one show, you're supporting both of us because we're gonna basically uh, do this like a just like a partnership and uh, and try to build um, like a Bitcoin made simple podcast network um, that would eventually you know maybe even have more shows. I don't know. Um, we're yeah. kind of winging it and and figuring it out as we go here because yeah. uh, I don't think two years ago either of us thought we'd be in this podcasting world, but uh, but here we are. So. So yeah, um, well, Luke, tell people where they can find you um, outside of YouTube. You gave them that if you want to give them that again. And then also uh, on Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so YouTube, fix the money, fix the world. It'll pop up. You'll see lots of photos with my big ugly mug in the thumbnail. <laughs> so you'll be able to find me easily. Don't lie, uh, don't t- lie. He's the best looking person in, uh, <laughs> I can say this heterosexually, he's the be- best looking person <laughs> in Twitter. Maybe yeah, that would be our it. best way to, we could say that um, the way we could announce it is like the best looking person in uh, Bitcoin and Corey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not my friend definitely not you take the cake um but yeah so that's me on youtube the big mug on youtube um and then twitter i think my name is uh uh it's my name so it's luke mickich uh 21 um my last name's a pain in the ass to spell so you guys probably won't find me but um m-i-k-i-c yeah m-i-k-i-c 21 uh that's me on twitter that's me on youtube uh hopefully the first of many i've had an absolute blast um i hope i didn't scare anyone going down the uh going down no. the rabbit hole today but um all well, I can it'll say be fun is- too because as we go you know like because i i look at things and i'm like i go there with like the the rabbit hole and i'm like okay like i see all that but then i also like to boil it down i'm like really like what's most likely happening and most likely you know there's money involved and all that kind of stuff yeah so i think we'll be like a good like almost yin and yang yes. i mean i'll, I'll go yes. there with you but i'll yeah. also be like you know what let me reel that back in a little bit rain me back in throw the yeah, yeah rain yeah. me back in i need it i do need it i um i'm wild i i went a little <laughs> bit i ranted a little bit today i don't normally get to do it when you're the podcaster uh like when i'm interviewing people i i'm normally reined in i i in your, to bite yeah. your tongue a little bit but yeah no it's good fun today my friend that's what the bitcoin breadcrumbs will be it'll be just uh just luke going off and me uh <laughs> raining a bit, so. yeah but, uh yeah well thanks everybody for listening and thanks uh luke for coming on i appreciate it no thanks for having me my friend it was an absolute blast and hopefully right. the first of many